We acknowledge that we are on Treaty 6 territory, the gathering grounds of many diverse First Nations, Métis, and Inuit peoples whose footsteps have marked this land and whose presence continues to enrich our vibrant community. Hello, and welcome back to Research Recasted, the knowledge mobilization podcast. I am Megan Miskinen, and I am here with Natalie Smattis. In today's episode, we are joined by Professor Christina Anton. Christina has two PhDs, one from the University of Alberta in Applied Mathematics, and one from the Center for Mathematical Statistics of the Romanian Academy in Probability and Statistics. Christina has been a McEwen University Mathematics and Statistics professor since 2004, as well as a joint professor at the University of Alberta since 2008. In 2018, Christina was awarded the Distinguished Teaching Award at McEwen University, and in 2020, she was awarded a McEwen Board of Governors Research Chair. So with that being said, Christina, thank you so much for being here today with us. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. Yeah, we, uh, we're looking forward to having you on the show here because we don't get a lot of people from your discipline. That's too bad. It's, yeah, yeah. we've spoken to a few, but it's, it's something that I feel we need to get more of on here. So I'm really looking forward to our conversation. So uh, you have been working on uh, a machine learning algorithm for mode of action classification and toxicity assessment. What does all this mean? Can you tell us a little bit about that this project? This was a, a project joined with uh, a group from University of Alberta. The Alberta Center for Toxicology did some experiments and they wanted to study the effect of different chemicals on the growth of cells. Okay. And they contacted us. We had a MITAX grant at that time. I was part of it with the people from University of Alberta. A few students were involved in it too. Um, to study them, statistically speaking, and try to classify these toxicants, you know, these chemicals. So in the experiments, they, they put the chemicals on the cell growth cultures, and some of these chemicals killed the cell very fast, some didn't. And they wanted just to get a classification of the chemicals without doing the whole experiment. So just by... Um, using uh, methods, statistical methods or machine learning methods to do this. Oh, so that's, so, sorry, correct me if I'm wrong, but you were applying these to the cells to see how they would react and how quickly they would kill them for purposes of... We, we didn't do any biology there, so we, we fitted some mathematical models for the cell growth, and we had the data that they collected when they did the experiments. We had the curves representing the the cell growth, how many cells they had over time. Uh, And based on these curves, we wanted to to fit a model and use it to classify other chemicals, which we didn't do the experiment for. So save the work in terms of doing all the biology stuff. And um, it was my first exposure to a math biology project. And before I worked... uh, in applied math, but mainly with engineers. This time I had to work with biologists and uh, <laughs> it was much harder because the engineers, usually they write themselves the models. We just have to apply the mathematical stuff on them. But with the biologists, we had to contribute also writing the model for for the experiment that they were doing. And uh, was very interesting, uh, I, I would say. And after this, I, I continued to, to be interested in this kind of projects, uh, like statistical projects or machine learning projects, classification projects. Mm-hmm. Currently, I'm working with, I have some undergrad students from, from McEwen that during the pandemic, we started again to work in, in, in this. It's also collaboration with people from the Department of Computer Science. Initially, we wanted to 
use the curves, again, curves, you know, um, that represent the number of COVID cases over time or the number of deaths uh, over time for various countries and to try to um, cluster them to learn, you know, which countries did better than others, what policies they have, this kind of stuff. Then we, we found out that we had what we call outliers, uh, several curves that didn't respect any pattern. So uh, we found out that we need what we call in statistics, we need some clustering algorithms from functional data uh, with outliers, with unusual curves. And we started to study this. So this summer we'll have a, a package, an R package, so something that everybody can use free with our work. We publish a paper about this for functional data with outlier. We use some T distributions for this. So, And this, uh, the programming part, I participated at it, but uh, a lot of it was done by um, students from, from the computer science department and from the math department too. So uh, okay. we are involved in this. Uh, we didn't get... The results that we wanted regarding COVID data, um, mainly because they were data hard to clean. So the, the way the countries uh, recorded the death and the number of cases, there were a lot of uh, inaccuracies. Mm -hmm. And the cleaning was terrible. So at the end, we gave up the COVID data, but we got a new algorithm for dealing with uh, functional data with this unusual observation with outliers, a new R package. And um, I think it was, a, a, for me, you know, was the doing research. It's always exciting for the students too. And also we, we learn a lot during the process. And I think it was very successful, even though we're starting from a problem when we en ended up doing something else. Yeah, like, and that's the part about research that I love the most too. It doesn't matter what discipline you guys are from. It's, it's like, it doesn't matter if it worked or it didn't work, whatever you would say work <laughs> uh, means, but uh, you're you're always happy regardless because research is just one of those things. It's just interesting all around. So so how did you find uh, undergraduate research? Because I'm, I'm assuming that with your credentials, you probably did graduate research. So how did you find working as a supervisor watching undergraduates perform research, I guess? At the beginning, I was very skeptical that I can do any research in math at the undergrad level because Usually they need to take some graduate uh, courses before they learn the basic for, and then they start doing research. Mm -hmm. But then when I was an undergrad back in Romania, my professor tried to involve me in research. So in a way, I felt like I have to pay it forward and do an effort about this. So I think it's much easier probably if you have a more experimental science like biology or psychology or, you know, because the students, they can participate with the with this part. But for us in math, especially the abstract part, it requires knowledge that it's um, studied at the graduate level. So then I involve my students and also my research changed because of this. So, for example, all this interest that I have in this uh, um, now it's cool to call them statistical machine learning methods, but in, in statistics we had them for many years and they were just called classification and clustering. Now, now, that, now they are called unsupervised learning, it's more or less the same thing. Um, so I, I switched to do more of this because it's much easier to involve students in this. And um, I, I'm, I feel like I'm mainly a teacher, so I, I like working with students. It's <laughs> one of the things that I like. I like doing research too. Um, so that's why I continue my, my own research, which is in something that we don't teach on the undergrad level, stochastic differential equation, numerical methods for these ones. 
um, and I have an answer grant for this. And uh, um, I I had master students and PhD students at UVA co supervision for for this kind of project. But I also have this more applied project, like the with more like a machine learning or statistical flavor, where undergrad students can participate. Yeah, and it was uh, you had mentioned that it was sort of a joint project with the computing science department as well. You said. Yeah. So how did that come about? Did you find that you needed those people, or did they approach you guys with the project? Or well, um, my husband Kalin Anton is in the computer science department, and I asked him if he knows. He teaches there from time to time an artificial intelligence class, and I asked him if he had any good students that he can recommend to me because I, I needed some students over the summer that were good also in programming and had some statistical knowledge or machine learning knowledge. And then we started to work also with uh, Muhammad Al-Hajj, also from the computer science department. And I got involved also with some of their capstone projects when the projects were about machine learning and or statistics. So um, it's already, a, you know, I, I think we started before COVID. So we have a few years of collaborating um, about this. And um, we have also uh, quite a few students that do a major in computer science and a minor in statistics or a double major, both in computer science and in, in math or statistics. And for me, they are the best students in terms of working, in terms of research, because they, they are good in programming and they also understand the machine learning or the statistical part. So they are perfect for the kind of research that I can do. So what, uh, like with that degree, what sort of types of jobs are these students looking at doing or are they going to pursue probably graduate studies thereafter? Two of the students that work with me and they were doing a major in computer science and a minor in math or a double major. Um, one of them is doing a PhD now in computer science at University of Alberta and the other one was accepted for a uh, master. So uh, a lot of them are doing graduate studies. Okay. Um, but now in computer science, it's so easy to get jobs. So mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> not a problem for them. <laughs> yeah, for real. So, Christina, you've also done a lot of uh, work with the community in terms of math, I guess. Like, So you've been involved in these competitions and labs. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Well, I wouldn't say I did a lot of work. With, you know, in, in math, it's it's hard, again, you know, because we are an abstract discipline, it's hard to do community work in a way. Uh, what I did uh, together with um, Rosita Marinova from Concordia University, uh, we started to organize, uh, she, she started by organizing Math Kangaroo, the competition at Concordia, and then she asked me if we want to help and organize it also at, uh, at McKeon. We had a lot of students coming from Edmonton and she needed space. And I said yes, because because I was involved with math Olympiad and math clubs when I was uh, myself a, a student. So again, I, I felt like I should pay it forward. And um, I remember I talked with the dean, Craig Monk was the dean of art and science then, and he was very supportive. So we started by organizing first the Mad Kangaroo competition. Um, this competition is for students in from grade one to grade 12. Um, it's an international competition, so it's not from Australia. I know it's the, the kangaroo there, but it was started in France. I don't know why hmm. they chose the kangaroo. But anyway, it's organized in Australia too, in France, uh, almost everywhere. Uh, and uh, there is a Canadian mad kangaroo organization, and we are member there, and we organize the competition. It was this year, we organized it in March. Um so uh, a lot of our students volunteer for proctoring during the competition. So it's a, uh, they are very enthusiastic. I never had any problem to find math students or students in general. Usually I ask our math students, the one that I, I see in the, you know, taking classes with, with us in the math department. Uh, but they were always very enthusiastic to, to help me uh, with this. 
And I think it's a good experience for them too. Uh, we also, before COVID, we organized also these math clubs. Um, so they were usually five a term. So five in the fall, five in the winter term uh, on Sundays, um, an hour and a half for each of them. And they were by, by grade. And the teachers that we got, they did um, interesting math questions. And some of the teachers were... Um, uh, they were all volunteers, and they, some of them were our students. So I remember there were um, um, quite a few that uh, of my math major students, you know, the one that took classes with me, and they they were not sure what to do after they finished their bachelor. And I um, talked with them, maybe try to do teaching, you know, like there's this after degree teaching stuff. And uh, some of them were not sure if they like to teach, and then I invited them to teach one of our math clubs and. Some of them decided they want to go into teaching after this, so uh, it was a. So you <laughs> a good, inspired some of them then. <laughs> yeah, a good uh, a good opportunity. Uh, and uh, during COVID, we we stopped because we couldn't bring children here. But uh, we'll start again in the fall. Uh, we already restarted to organize face to face. The during COVID, uh, the competition Mad Kangaroo was online, but uh, this year it was already face to face. And um, we'll we'll start with the, the clubs too in the fall and the winter. Probably in the fall will be at McEwen. In the winter will be at Concordia. It's also a collaboration. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see how much you actually have had to collaborate. Oh, yes, yes. Even though uh, I think doing math, it's mainly an individual job. So, because we are <laughs> with well, our and research and... Uh, yeah, like, because that's that's what I was thinking coming into this. It's it's interesting to me how much you have done uh, collaborations because math is seen as such an independent study, especially someone who does research in terms of math and statistics. It seems, it seems like you'd be doing a lot of this very solo, but you have just done the exact opposite and I'm loving it. <laughs> in, in applied math or in stats, it's different. It's yeah. a little bit different than pure math. Uh, in applied math, we also have, and in stats too, we have a theoretical part to the research that we do and um, I didn't do a lot of collaboration about that part, but the applied part of it, um, um, it's, it's important to collaborate with others, especially with students. For, for students, I think it's a great opportunity, a great introduction to research to see if they like this or not. Yeah, absolutely. And it's great that you've been able to open the door to those students and and sort of get them involved in these competitions and showing them that there's more to uh, their careers than simply being in the lab or being in class and getting them out there. So They were enthusiastic to start with. So. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> it was very, very easy to get volunteers for this. I, and I hope it will continue to be like this. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm certain. I'm certain it will. If it's been going this well, it can't, it can't stop now, can it? So I actually, going back to earlier when we were discussing the uh, your applied research with, with the students, I wondered what, uh, I guess, like how can that apply to somebody who doesn't really understand math that well? Like what is the research that you guys are performing? How does that come back to the everyday person? How could that be explained? Well, sometimes it's hard to explain, you know, so that depends from project to project. These statistical projects, usually they start from a, um, a question, a real-life question. And then we, we kind of try to find a model, statistical model or mathematical model, and this is the part that is harder to understand. But I think for, for um, everyday guy, it will be easy to understand the question. Um, I have now, uh, as an example, I have two students working on a time series project. So they took a class with me in time series and they wanted to do more. They presented at the McEwen Research Day and now they are preparing uh, um, the final version for a poster that will be presented at the 
um, Canadian Statistical Association Student Conference in, in Ottawa. Uh, and I can tell you what was their question. So um, time series are data that usually depends on time. Uh, so data that are ordered and the order is important. So let's say if you look at weather over years, yeah. so you have the average temperature every year for the last 100 years. That's a time series for us. Right, okay. Uh, yeah, and uh, for them, one of them was interested in, in to study the um, conversion rate between the Canadian and the U.S. dollar, and the other one was interested in the price of the, um, I think it's called Brent, the, the oil that it's in the Western Canada. So they have different indices for oil, and um, our oil here, the oil sands oil, it's uh, probably um, considered in, in, in this index, so the Western uh, kind of stuff, so the price of oil over time. And we were interested to see... Um, a relationship between this because one thing that it's usually our dollar it's high when the price of oil is high and it used to be like this so we, we were curious to see after the pandemic and now with all this green economy uh, is it still so important in terms of currency and you know this uh, relationship between them uh, and also we were interested to see the effect of pandemic on both time series, so on both the exchange rate and uh, what kind of uh, influence it was, how long it lasted, and, and this kind of stuff. So they studied this and they will present their finding in, in, in this poster. Um, the equation and the methods that they use are complicated, but I think the, the conclusions and the problem, it's easy to understand. Yeah, it's all that back work that, that you guys are doing that we're like, huh? <laughs> it's just going right above our heads, but it's awesome because it really is contributing to, like you said, it's they're not the only people who have that question. And this is, this is something that could be really, um, it could bring to light something important for oil companies to note or for the public to note or what have you. So, so thank you for explaining it that way. That was, that was very great. Is there anything that I didn't ask you about today that you would like to touch on just before we wrap up the episode? I don't know. I think for for the students, because I suppose some of the people that will listen to this are, are the students, I think what I, I'm telling my, when I teach a third on a fourth level course in math, because <laughs> this is what I'm teaching in mathematics on statistics, but even in my the, the service courses, the first year calculus and, and stuff like that, I know um, the students usually find me tough. So uh, <laughs> I'm sorry for this. But uh, what I intend, and um, many times I spell this out, I think uh, they should dream big. Uh, research is one way to dream big. So now they are in their 20s or 30s, you know, they are young. If at this age we don't dream big, then when? And um, it's worth doing it. So uh, not all my dreams are, you know, become true. <laughs> but if I didn't even think about this, probably I wouldn't do much of the things that uh, I ended up doing. And um, in terms of research, they should trust themselves and try it. I know research is not for everybody, but it can be even a project that you are involved and, you know, help a little bit with the programming or some work. I mean, I'm sure in other disciplines it's much easier to get any research than it is in my, my field. Um, it can be an idea for a profession that they can uh, maybe try. Um, it's something that can enhance their, their life experiences. So the message is dream big. Yeah, dream big or don't dream at all. That's the point. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much, Christina. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure having you today, and thank you for making the time. Uh, we really appreciate it. Well, that's all we have for today's episode of Research Recasted. 
If you want to support this podcast, you can visit Research Recasted on your favorite podcast platform to find new episodes every two weeks. Also, don't forget to check us out on Instagram at Research Recasted, where you can leave us a like, give us a follow, or send us a message if you have any follow-up questions. This has been Research Recasted, a knowledge mobilization podcast brought to you by the Office of Research Services and the Faculty of Fine Arts and Communications at McEwen University. Funding for this podcast is partially provided by the Government of Canada through the Research Support Fund. Research Recasted is hosted and produced by Megan Miskimen and Natalie Smattis. Music is by Dylan Cave with sound design and editing by Natalie Smattis. Research, copy editing, and scripting is by Megan Miskimen, and our executive producer is Ray Barry.